Welcome to Good Faith Reads. I'm your host, Cliff Vaughn, media producer at Good Faith Media. Good Faith Reads is a short podcast released twice a month in which we focus on one of our book authors at Good Faith Media. We've published more than 100 titles under our Nurturing Faith book imprint, and we invite you to check them out at goodfaithmedia.org bookstore. Today's guest is Charles Poole, author of The Path to Depth. He is joining us from Jackson, Mississippi. Chuck, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Cliff. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be with you. We are delighted that you've joined us to talk about your book, The Path to Depth. Uh, you've collected about 20 brief essays for the book, essays uh, marked by exploring how the narrow way leads to the wide place. And I'd like for you to talk just a moment about what you mean and don't mean by narrow way and wide place. Yes, I'll be glad to talk about that. Um, by narrow way, uh, first, it would be important to me to say that uh, I, I do not mean an exclusive way. Uh, narrow, not as in exclusive, but narrow as in centering. If we um, get on and stay on uh, the path to depth, it is a narrow way in the sense that there is not room on it for um, unkindness and recklessness, um, bullying, teasing, uh, relentless sarcasm, uh, prejudice, discrimination, exclusion. There, it's narrow in the sense that, that all of that will need to fall away from our lives so that the longer we stay on that narrow way, the more gentle and thoughtful and mindful we become, the more careful our speech becomes. And as we travel that narrow way uh, that I call the path to depth, obviously borrowing on Jesus' words about the way which leads to life is narrow. <laughs> Um, if we stay on it carefully enough and prayerfully enough for long enough, it will bring us out into a wide place where the size of the circumference of the circle of our welcome becomes the same as the size of the circumference of the welcome around God. And I think that at least in my tradition, we have often assumed that that's the sort of wide welcome that might await us in the next life. But I think that if you get on and stay on the path to depth prayerfully enough for long enough, you can actually reach that place in this life where the size of the circumference of the circle of our welcome becomes not in the next life, but in this life the same as the size of the circumference of the circle of God's welcome. I, um, you know, my way of saying it somewhere in the book is uh, we don't have to die before we can live. We can actually draw a circle of welcome as wide as God's circle of welcome in this life. And for me, at least, the way to get there starts out on this narrow way that 
I call the path to depth. The deeper we go, the wider we grow. Hmm, nice. Well, the book holds a certain tension that makes it electric, just almost vibrate. And from my point of view, that tension is marked by this narrow way, wide place belief, if you will, and you deal with it in highlighted quotes. Here are some examples. Heraclitus, the way down and the way up are the same. Mary Oliver, swimming inward and floating outward. Evelyn Underhill, we must reach for what we do not have by the faithful practice of what we do have. Ernest Hemingway, the world breaks everyone, and afterward many are strong at the broken places. All those are, are quotes that are, appear in your book for those who are listening. Yeah, so in your experience as a minister, pastor, writer, if this narrow way slash wide place belief is true, or if it's the way, is there a quote unquote trick to believing it or embracing it? Yeah. Um, well, I believe that it is true. I'm, I'm sure it's not the way. Um, I suspect that it is a way. And I, and in my experience, it is a way um, to a deeper life with God and a wider embrace of the world. I think that uh, there is not, um, there's not a trick to it, but I think um, as as pedestrian as this might sound, I think it's a skill. Uh, I'm a big believer in that sort of Stanley Hirewassian approach to life, uh, which is that uh, we become better at being people of God the same way we become better at laying bricks or making biscuits or hitting a tennis ball or playing a piano. Uh, it's practice. We get up every morning. And we practice the skills of being kind and gentle and thoughtful and mindful. Practice the skill of careful speech and specific honesty. And um, we practice the skill of sitting down with and standing up for the same people Jesus would sit down with and stand up for if Jesus was in the world today. And the more you practice those skills, the better you get at them. <laughs> and um, so I, I think it is, um, it's, it's daily work. There's a chapter, I think the second chapter in the book is called Another Day. And it builds on a quote that shows up, I think twice in the book, also from Mary Oliver, uh, in which she says, another day and I wake with thirst for the goodness I do not have. And um, I, I think that's the, that's the practice. It is Evelyn Underhill's, we reach for what we do not have by the faithful practice of what we do have. We do not yet have that uh, deeper life. I mean, who knows how deep we can go with God in this life? Uh, none of us have ever gotten there, right? So we wake each morning with thirst for that. And then we practice day after day, um, walking, living, being on what I call the path to depth. 
And um, the deeper we go, the wider we grow. Yeah. In one essay called At the Intersection of Light and Pain, you start to get pretty direct about what you think. It's just a lot of plain talk, which I appreciate. You talk about, quote, the truth that God calls people to ministry without regard for whether they happen to be male or female. The truth that same-sex life and love is a human difference, not a spiritual sin. The truth that the God who created the universe 13 billion years ago cannot be completely captured in any one religion, including my own, end quote. You write about those positions as places you came to, not started at. To pick up on the narrow way metaphor here, how do we relate to folks who are not on that same journey? Maybe they're not going to change their position. And if so, what does that mean for us all collectively? I think my my simple answer to that, and then I'll go back into it a little bit. Um, there's a wonderful quote that I heard attributed to um, a theologian uh, named Trip Fuller. Uh, who uh, is is reported once to have said, my tent needs to be big enough to hold at least all the people I have been. <laughs> and so <laughs> that, that's sort of the story of my life. Um, I, um, I grew up at Log Cabin Baptist Church in Macon, Georgia, which uh, sadly no longer exists. It went out of existence. I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago. Um, and uh, I actually uh, acknowledge that congregation in the acknowledgments page of the book because um, I owe the people there a lot. They formed me for God and the gospel in the best ways that they knew to do that. And I'm deeply indebted to them. Um, and then across a lifetime, uh, my, my theology has changed significantly as I have um, grown, thought, prayed, uh, met people, read books, um, um, I've been, as Paul would say, transformed by the renewing of my mind. So uh, it's been a long journey for me. You know, Wendell Berry said, a young man leaps and lands on an old man's legs. And between the leaping and the landing, I was in the air a long time. If I had had that much hang time when I was playing basketball, I would have been a starter instead of instead of a bench sitter at, at uh, Lanier High School in Macon, Georgia. Um, while I was in the air, I learned a lot and changed a lot between the leaping of the young man and the landing of, I guess I'm an old man now, 67. Um, so I grew and changed, but I also love and respect and honor people who haven't come to occupy the same places that I've come to occupy. And that's why in my life and in this book, 
I work really hard at not being snarky or sarcastic or dismissive about the way other people see things because um, I once saw things the way other people see things. So I think it's important to be able to speak the truth about the light that we've come to see, which is really what I do in this book, while also, you know, being respectful and mindful and thoughtful toward those who are at a different place on the journey. Um, so that's, that's how I relate to folks who are at a different place on the journey. Um, just trying to be as mindful and thoughtful and not patronizing, or condescending or any of that sort of thing. Cause I mean, why would one be that way? We'll be right back with more Good Faith Reads. I'm Mitch Randall, CEO of Good Faith Media, and we're proud to announce a Better Way initiative. A Better Way. People of faith are too often cast as only narrow-minded and fundamentalist. This image is false, so let's not surrender the truth. A better way. This initiative from Good Faith Media will focus people of faith on giving voice to justice, to inclusion, to love. These values define the faith communities so many of us know. A Better Way initiative from Good Faith Media. Go to goodfaithmedia.org and click on initiatives. There's more to tell. Welcome back to Good Faith Reads. Today we're joined remotely by Charles Poole, author of the Good Faith Media book, The Path to Depth. I'm Cliff Vaughn of Good Faith Media. Chuck, let's talk about the writing process for a moment. Uh, what can you tell us about writing the book? Any tips, tricks, hints, challenges you can share? I think of a, a conversation that someone once had with uh, Eudora Welty, a very large name, of course, here in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, someone is reported once to have asked uh, Miss Welty, as she is affectionately remembered here in Jackson, um, if she liked to write, to which Eudora Welty responded, I like to have written. Um, writing itself uh, sometimes feels like breaking rocks in the sun, you know. Um, but I think that, um, as uh, Rainer Maria Rilke said to the recipient of his letters to a young poet, uh, find out if you have to write. And if you do, then you will. <laughs> and so I, I've always been one of those persons who, uh, you know, who has to write. I can't not write. So I write in a prayer journal every morning. I have for 25 years. 
I mean, I'll miss, you know, 10 or 12 mornings a year, but I write in a prayer journal every morning. And of course, for 45 years, I've been writing sermons every Sunday. So that's a different kind of writing. And writing the path to depth uh, grew out of the, the intersection of those two practices. One, writing in a prayer journal every morning. The other, writing sermons every week, but kind of working out the theology that ultimately found its way into sermons in that prayer journal. I looked back through my prayer journals and I, and I found that the first time I ever mentioned the phrase, the path to depth, was um, in May of, of 2007. I believe it was May the 6th, 2007. It's the first time the phrase, the path to depth, appears in my journals. In the 15 and a half years since then, it appears hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. Almost every morning. I mean, if I write in my prayer journal, you know, conservatively, I would say 340 days a year. On probably 300 of those days per year for the last 15 years, the last phrase in my prayer journal entry for that day, whether it was a brief paragraph or two or three pages, will be this prayer. Lord, help me today to live my life in a Quaker quiet way. Help me to be a person of careful speech and help me to stay on the path to depth. Amen. That's usually happening in the early, early morning. Um, and so this book, the path to depth, even though it's a small book in terms of word count and pages, it's really been, um, you know, 15 years in the fermenting and the writing. Um, so I think, um, I think if I had any sort of tip for persons who feel drawn to writing or compelled to write, it would be to write. Um, I think you just have to get up every morning and, and write. You know, Mary Oliver said, every morning uh, I go and stand outside my door with my notebook. And um, that's certainly been the shape of my experience. Yeah. Well, you've shared with us the fact that you write prayer journals, write prayers. You also wrote several poems, a few of which are included in the book. I'd like for you to read one of them for us and just talk a little bit about it. Sure, I'll be I'll be glad to. Um, yeah, I've I've written three or four hymns over the years, and um, um, and a, and a handful of poems. 
uh, one of those hymns makes its way into the book. Um, it is in Espanol, uh, and it is uh, the end, comes at the end of the chapter called Todos Somos Inmigrantes. Um, and uh, it is a hymn in Spanish that I wrote, but um, I'm not a musician, so I, I only wrote the lyrics. But a lot of people know the hymn tune, Gift of Love. Though I may speak with bravest fire and have the gift to all inspire. You know, that's a very familiar hymn, you know, across denominations. So this, um, and the name of that hymn tune is Gift of Love. Uh, so the, the hymn that I wrote in Spanish, um, La Cancion de Bienvenidas, the welcome song, uh, actually I wrote to go with that hymn tune. And, and it's in the book, both in Spanish and in English. I wrote that chapter in Spanish as an act of solidarity with uh, immigrant persons. My Spanish is very poor, but I worked very hard at getting the Spanish uh, correct, and I, I, I believe that um, that it that it is. Um, so there's that hymn, original hymn, in Spanish and in English, which is in the book. But also, as you said, there are two or three poems, and I will uh, I will say one of those poems. The title of this poem is This Me. When I wrote it, I think I wrote it to be uh, a, a country song, but I haven't been able to fashion a tune to go with it yet. So for the time being, it's, uh, it's uh, just a poem. Um, I was on my way to becoming the one I was going to be, but then something happened and so much changed that instead I became this me. We all start out with an empty page, our horizons as wide as the sea, but when what happens happens, life narrows down until all we can be is this me. When what happens happens, all we can be is the most kind and gentle, truthful and tender me we can be. Um, that poem I placed at the end of the chapter called Through Suffering, the idea being that the path to death often winds its way through suffering and we go through what we go through in life not because God sends it to us, but because it comes to us in life. And then sometimes, not always, but sometimes, I think more often than not, we emerge from the struggle more kind and gentle, empathetic and understanding, truthful and tender than ever we might have been had we not gone through the suffering. So that's why I, I place that poem at the end of that chapter. Yeah. One of my favorite chapters is the last one titled The Journey Jonah Never Took. Can you give our <laughs> listeners a taste of 
what that chapter is about. I love it. I love that chapter. I love the story of Jonah and I love what you have extracted from it, if you will. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, um, I've always loved the story of, of Jonah and, um, yeah, that, that chapter, um, which is the, the last chapter of the 20 chapters in the book, um, sort of in, in a way, I guess, sort of sums up, uh, at least much of the point of the book, which is that, um, the deeper we go, the wider we grow, the closer we get to God, the wider we draw our circle of welcome. And so uh, Jonah uh, took a lot of trips, right? He, he went to Tarshish. He, he eventually went to Nineveh. And in between, he is reported to have traveled to the bottom of the sea in the belly of a fish. So Jonah uh, took a lot of trips, but there was one journey that Jonah never made. He never traveled far enough with God to get close enough to God to draw his circle of welcome as wide as the welcome around God. In fact, he was so angry at God's wide welcome of the people of Nineveh that remember uh, when God asked Jonah, are you right to be angry that I have welcomed the Ninevites? Jonah said, yes, angry enough to die. <laughs> so um, I relate to Jonah um, because for certainly the first half of my life, the thought that anyone might receive God's grace in any way other than the way I received it made me that angry. Uh, and uh, it's only been a lifetime spent walking in the spirit on the path to death that has helped me to, to take a further journey. And um, yeah, so it's that sense of, uh, uh, any of us can can go on that journey. Uh, we, I think, we first just have to choose to open our lives to the Spirit in that way. And as uh, as Pope Francis sometimes says, "What are we waiting for?" <laughs> <laughs> we at Good Faith Media are always accepting book proposals. Our authors engage with an experienced team of editors, designers, and marketers to produce and sell books on a variety of topics. If you have a book proposal you'd like to run by us, head on over to goodfaithmedia.org bookstore for more information. Chuck, lastly, I wonder if you might read for us just another sentence or two from the book that you would like to leave our listeners with today. I think I'll read the sentence that stands on the last page of the book as the epilogue to the book, uh, because it comes as close as any sentence to, to capturing um, the, the passion, I guess I would say, that sort of compelled me to keep working on this little book across 15 years. And that epilogue sentence is this. The path to depth is a narrow way 
which traveled prayerfully enough will eventually bring us out into that wide place where we are no longer sad about any inclusion God is glad about and no longer glad about any exclusion God is sad about. Our guest today on Good Faith Reads has been Charles Poole, author of The Path to Depth. The book, along with more than 100 other titles, is available as both a print book and ebook at goodfaithmedia.org bookstore. Chuck, we appreciate you being our guest today. Thank you for having me, Cliff.